Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Mental Health Connect does a lot of training around that. We role play what a crisis call would look like, what a navigation call would look like, how that goes. But I think a lot of times if you haven't had that information or you, you don't have the training, um, you really do have to be vulnerable and you have to say, I, I'm going to make this call or my friend is going to make the call for me. Um, have someone do it for you. Our guest today is Vicki Elliott the Executive Director of Mental Health Connect, an organization that provides community-based support and education to improve access to mental health services and to connect families to those services. Vicki also will share her own story of trauma and where hope is found today on Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. And all we can do right now Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, so glad to have you on Life Support. And what we do on this podcast, this radio show, is we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Christ because we believe that even at the hardest points of our lives in suffering and trauma, that's when Jesus shows himself and real faith develops. And so I hope you're encouraged today. We have a great guest. Her name is Vicki Elliott from Mental Health Connect, and she's going to tell her story, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening around us regarding mental health. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's great. It's great to have you. All right, so tell me about Mental Health Connect first. Um, What exactly does your organization do? We are a collaborative nonprofit organization in the Twin Cities and beyond, and we really do three things. We focus on, first of all, a navigation line, and that helps people find resources. They can call, text, or email us, and we're going to do that legwork for them. We're going to call around and find openings. We're going to figure out what would be the best situation for them. We're going to ask them questions about what they feel comfortable with, what is their insurance, and then we're going to get back to them with some resources. The second thing we do is we collaborate with faith communities. We feel like uh, churches, faith communities are in unique positions to be a support for people in any place in their life. Um, And so we give them the tools and the resources and the training that they need to be able to provide that for their community. And the third thing we do is a lot of education, and we're hoping to reduce that stigma around mental health and open up those conversations so that we can share our stories. Good for you. Well, you have um, quite a story about how this kind of all came about. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, my oldest son, his name is Cole, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder um, when he was 19 years old. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the beginning of the story. Um, As anybody who has someone in their life with mental health challenges knows, it's a very long journey. So um, he was uh, struggling when he was even in high, even in elementary school, he struggled with um, ADHD. And uh, in middle school, it was anxiety and depression. And then in high school, um, we started seeing some of those signs of mood disorders. And at the age of 19, he actually got the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. 
Now, believe it or not, that was somewhat of a relief to us Mm -hmm. because we felt like we could get him the medication and the tools and the therapy that he really needed to help him and feel better and live his best life. Right. And then what happened? Um, And then... um, at age, right around that same time, um, we kind of had a hunch he started using as well, using drugs. Um, it started out with Xanax. Um, believe it or not, he went to treatment because uh, he had a Xanax addiction. Mm. Um, he dabbled in a lot of other things that I wasn't totally aware of at the time as a, as a mom, but found out later. So... Um, at the age of, by the age of 24, he had already experienced um, quite a bit of homelessness, um, housing insufficiencies, so sleeping on people's couches, um, and uh, sleeping in shelters, finding places to stay for the night and take a shower. He um, had had some police calls. He had been at inpatient treatment and um, also addiction treatment. Mm-hmm. So it had been quite a long journey. And, of course, um, anybody who's a parent or anybody who loves children can imagine it is uh, quite a devastating journey to go through. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are going through it right now, and it's it's horrible. Um, so by the age of 24, he had finally decided he had had enough. He wanted to get help. And we were so grateful to get that call from him. And so um, he did some legwork and found a place where there was an open bed. And he got himself into treatment, which was amazing. Um, he got into treatment here in Minnesota, uh, went there, um, but he was really sick when he was at treatment. Mm. And so when I went to visit him and we were talking about it, um, they said, he's detoxing. He's just detoxing. Just hang in there. Let it give him some time. Well, I went back to see him about two weeks later, and well, it was he had been there for two weeks, and they said um, I couldn't see him, that he had done something wrong, and so mm. he couldn't have visitors. Mm-hmm. The next day, we got a call from him saying they were asking him to leave treatment. He couldn't walk. He couldn't. Um, he was having a hard time from the neck down. He felt like he couldn't move his arms and his legs. So at this particular treatment center, they said that um, if you can't um, get to treatment, if you can't get to small group unassisted, you have to leave. You can't stay there. Mm, It's too bad. Yeah, because he really needed help. Yeah. Um, And the worst part about it is they drove him back to his apartment um, that he didn't have anymore. He had given it up to go to treatment, and they dropped him off there. So it was a two-hour drive from the treatment center to his apartment. And uh, they did not stop at the clinic or the hospital or the emergency room. Um, And 24 hours later, he would call 911. Hmm. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that. Thank you. So um, this journey you've talked about is something we don't talk enough about. And um, you said, as a mom, this is so difficult. What were the – tell me about that because I'm not a mom. I can't. I can sympathize as a father that had kids dealing with these issues. I can't get in your shoes, obviously. So what kinds of things did you experience emotionally as you went up and down on this journey? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of worry, mm-hmm. <laughs> wondering where he was, if he was okay, um, what he was doing, was he safe? Um, yeah, a lot of um, who is he with, who is he hanging out with? 
Um, there were periods of time where we wouldn't hear from him for weeks, and we had no idea. He wouldn't answer us, so we had no idea if he was okay or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's tough. So kind of an ever-present um, sense of maybe um, not well-being for him that just couldn't – can't just leave that at the door, right? It's right. It's always there. Right, right. And not – he wasn't ready to get help yet, which was frustrating because you, you want to help your people and you want to get them the help they need, but they have to be ready. Mm-hmm. And for so long, he just wasn't ready. So we don't have any problem in churches talking about our physical ailments. We don't even really have a problem talking about our addictions. That's kind of acceptable now, too, at least in some quarters. Mm-hmm. But, man, talking about mental health – why is that so hard to talk about? Mm, yeah. Well, um, there. I think, you know, you think long, long ago, um, mental illness, or if you were having mental health problems, it was seen as a deficiency, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you had done something wrong, maybe, or you haven't tried hard enough, or you didn't have enough power or strength to get through it. And so you, now you were having or some issues. Or enough faith. Or enough faith. Right. Um, absolutely. So I think there is still that stigma, um, and it's embarrassing, and you feel like you can't talk about it. Um, We really think it's important to talk about it, though, because I don't know, I really don't know anyone that hasn't had an incident in their life where they thought, ooh, my mental health is not good right now. I mean, whether it's grief or a divorce or some sort of tragedy in your life, it, it really challenges you. Is one of the issues dealing with mental health um, the difficulty that comes with self-monitoring? I mean, if I have a broken arm, I know I have a broken arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to the hospital. I get that taken care of, right? But I don't always know how I'm doing mentally. Maybe others around me can see, but to monitor my own behavior is very, very difficult. Is that one of the reasons that people... Um, either don't want to talk about it or don't know how to talk about it because they're not even sure how they're doing? Yeah. Paul will be back with Vicki Elliott in just a moment. One of the resources available as a way for all of us to come alongside each other and strengthen congregations is called Caring for Mental Health, a 10-part small group series for your church. Log on to lifesupportresources.org for more information. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Paul and Vicki Elliott. Is one of the issues dealing with mental health um, the difficulty that comes with self-monitoring? I mean, if I have a broken arm, I know I have a broken arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to the hospital. I get that taken care of, right? But I don't always know how I'm doing mentally. Maybe others around me can see, but to monitor my own behavior is very, very difficult. Is that one of the reasons that people um, either don't want to talk about it or don't know how to talk about it because they're not even sure how they're doing? Yeah. I would, I, sometimes I do a presentation and I open with, um, that's a little mental health trick that I do for myself is I'll say, how are you today? How are you doing? And sometimes I say it all day long, um, just like you would ask a friend, how are you? Like, how mm-hmm. are you really feeling right now? And yeah, I think we don't know, do I need to go get help right now or am I still doing okay? I'm not sure. Um, so being able to open up those conversations with people and say, 
to your closest friends or your your partner or your family, do you think I'm okay? Do you think that I, you know, I think we need to be able to do that and openly discuss that. And then have people around you that are willing to be honest. And say, yeah, I have noticed yeah. a change in you lately and mm-hmm. tell me what you're feeling. Yeah. But we need to be trained in that language and how to, how to be able to do that. So. Right. Mm-hmm. So Mental Health Connect um, deals with these very issues. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find, and, and our audience is largely a Christian audience, a uh, churched audience, um, are churches becoming better at dealing with mental health? I would say absolutely. Um, We're on the right track. Yeah. I Well, here in the Twin Cities anyway, I just was at a conference and I was speaking and there was a pastor there from a little bit south of us, a few states south, and he said, are you finding your churches saying that people should just pray harder when they have mental health? And I said, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that. No, I haven't either. So um, I said, no, our churches in the Twin Cities anyway are... Um, and." outskirts as well are all on board and they they truly want to be there for the holistic person physically spiritually mentally they want to know what to do and how to support people mm-hmm. well when you look at how jesus lived his life and how he dealt with people um he healed people of all kinds of different things and i and i have no doubt that he of course ran into mentally ill people certainly demon possessed people others that were really struggling and the lord just didn't walk away Right, he dug in and went to those scary spots. It is scary, though, mm-hmm. for people if they aren't trained to deal with someone who is struggling. Right, that is true. So, what do you do if you run up? Say your friend answers that question. You have enough courage to ask it, and your friend looks at you and says, "Yeah, I'm really struggling, mm-hmm. like really struggling." Mm-hmm. And then do you just freeze up and call your pastor, or do you run, or what do you do? Hand him a phone. Don't number. call your pastor. We don't know anything. <laughs> call somebody who knows something. Uh, I, I think most of the time people just want you to listen. I mean, I mm-hmm. think you can say something really simple like, tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Tell me what that feels like. Do you, are you willing to share that with me, that story? Um, it really is can be really freeing for somebody to find someone that is willing to say, I want to hear you. I want to hear your story. Tell me. Mm-hmm. And just listen. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, people aren't looking for a, a resolution or a, a solution. Or, um, but if they are, if they get to the end of the story and they say, "What do you think I should do?" There are a lot of resources out there. There are a lot of phone numbers, a lot of crisis lines, a lot of warm lines. So there's lots of help. Is there a stigma around those lines? In other words, if if I'm really struggling, I, I'm I'm afraid to pick up the phone. I don't know what I'm going to get on the other end. I'm afraid they're going to come to my house and uh, and haul me away. Um, h- how does someone kind of overcome those fears that they're not sure what's happening really on the other side of that call? Yeah. Well, um, Mental Health Connect does a lot of training around that. We role play what a crisis call would look like, what a navigation call would look like, how that goes. But I think a lot of times if you haven't had that information or you, you don't have the training, um, you really do have to be vulnerable. And you have to say, I, I'm going to make this call, or my friend is going to make the call for me. Um, have someone do it for you. Yeah. Ask the questions. Yeah, people, um, I think sometimes um, the people that answer the phone are, are people who really do care. They wouldn't be there if they didn't care. Um, you know, because of some of the issues our, our families faced, you know, we've, I've come home a few times from work, and I found, you know, deputies, sheriffs in my home, and, 
asking all kinds of questions about my kids. And at first you're a little afraid because you're not sure what the outcome of this is going to be. But then the more you just speak with them, uh, they're there because they care. They're there. They, they want what's best for your family. And, um, and these volunteers uh, that are manning these types of um, organizations that you're talking about are trained, right? And they, know, they pretty much know what they're doing. So don't be afraid if you need to give them a call. Right. The other thing I would say, too, is, uh, well, one thing is most the people that are on the other end of the phone have been through something similar mm. uh, with a mm-hmm. friend or a family member. And that's why they chose that that volunteer job or that position, because they really are passionate about it. And the second thing is the statistics around uh, calling a crisis line or a hotline or a warm line. I think 95% of the time they do not have to come out. Everything can be handled over the phone. So we really encourage people to make the call. You're just having a conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. And you believe, and we talked about this just before we started um, today, that the church should be a place of refuge, a a place where people can be who they really are. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, I I feel like churches are uniquely positioned to do this work. Uh, it just it feels like a miracle in a lot of ways. But churches offer hope and healing. That's their job. Um, they they have connections to community to build community, and that's what we need right now more than ever is 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 people to talk to and people to connect with and share things with life with. And um, there's also resources and Mm -hmm. it just is a, is the perfect place. Mm -hmm. Well, the body of Christ has been designed to um, be that kind of place. And each person is to fill that role. And so one of the things you do, I'm guessing is you train, you help train people to know how to interact with in those situations. Right. Yep. And it can be the it can be volunteers. It can be people in the community. It's the staff. It can be the clergy. Um, we want anyone who is willing to to be able to have that information, that training. Do you find that people are open to um, to to learning and uh, and they're willing to put their own biases or stigma uh, uh, around these things aside? They are, and um, I think you know we talk we talk about a lot of different topics uh, during our education, but um, people are hungry for information. I feel like they they all have someone in their life, and they're thinking mm-hmm. about that person when they're going through this. Like, I want to help that person, mm-hmm. and this tool, this training you're giving me is going to help me with that. My guest is Vicki Elliott from Mental Health Connect, and we're um, talking about a difficult subject, but a really important one today. It seems to me, uh, Vicki, that um, in our society as a whole, uh, mental health is coming out from under cover, and people are really openly now uh, beginning to discuss it. Celebrities, athletes have kind of led the way and, and been honest about the journeys that they're on, you know. Um, that's got to be a really good place for us to be going, right? I think so. Um, I think that that um, people opening up about their story and sharing it, particularly people that we know that we're familiar with, it really reduces that stigma. It's like, oh, oh, they have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. They ha- okay, this is okay. This is normal, right? Yeah, yeah. And look at them. They're they're. They're dealing with it, and they're trying to get by. Mm-hmm. And you can tell if it's real or not. I mean, you know, some people use it, I'm sure, for their own gain. Um, I remember um, there's a there's a ball player named Zach Greinke who is still um, 
still playing. Um, he's been around a long time, but he started in Kansas City. He was a very young, young pitcher. And um, he had an anxiety order, a disorder. And he would stand, um, if, if he was criticized or people were yelling at him from the stands, he would just get paralyzed and freeze. And it dogged him for two or three, four years, and he really, he really had a hard time. Um, but he worked at it. He, he, he actually became known as wonderfully weird. Um, teammates loved him. He's probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame. And when you see those kinds of stories, it does give people hope. And and kids are watching guys like that. Um, you know, especially today, they're on Instagram. They're they're watching videos all the time, and they're watching their heroes, right? Yeah. So the more we can talk about it, the better. And um, but there's always a risk involved with that because you never quite know what reaction you're going to get. I'm guessing is when you come out of and and you just start talking about it, people can reject you. People can think that you're not being honest. All kinds of things. Yeah. And that makes it hard to do. Yeah, especially when you go public like that. Even when you're having a conversation with an individual, if they ask you about your story and you start heading into it and you can see the look on their face, yes. it's kind of like shock. Yep. It's like, I think I'm going to slow down a little bit. Yep. Um, they're not ready yet. But that does not have anything to do with that individual that's sharing their story. It has to do with the person that um, is on the other end. Um, I will say that by sharing our stories and, and opening up, you're really educating people at the same time. You're letting So maybe that person is shocked when you're telling them that story, but they just learned something from you that's really important because they're going to meet someone else in their life at some point, mm-hmm. and they're going to go, I knew someone that mm-hmm. shared their story with me about the same thing. So persevere a little bit. Be yeah. wise, but persevere. I think so. I, I mean, the story that you told me as we began today, this, you know, the stories that I can tell from my own life that are – that are really difficult like that, um, you can see a person, you know, they start staring at their coffee cup or they mm. kind of start turning the other way or kind of looking for the exits. And then you know it's kind of time to stop. But the more you can talk about it, it's healing. At least it's healing for me to talk about it. Yeah. And and then if they're willing to listen, then the, a whole new world is open to them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think that's part of what you're talking about, how the body of Christ is supposed to work, right? We're all supposed to help each other mm-hmm. in our different giftedness. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about, again, what does Mental Health Connect do and how can someone get a hold of the services that you offer there? Yeah. Well, our website is mhconnect.org. And again, we do three things. We collaborate with faith communities so they have the tools that they need to help their community. And the mental health runs through everything. It affects physical health, spiritual health, um, financial health, everything. So um, being attuned to mental health and having the tools to provide your community is really critical. We also provide education so we can reduce stigma in the community and so we can share those stories openly. And then last, we have our navigation line, um, which is a call, text, or email line where we do, uh, I guess for a better lack of word, lack of a better word is triage. We're listening to your story and helping you find resources for what you need Okay, so give me that website again. mhconnect.org, and our navigation line is 612-MHC-1220. Okay, that's easy to remember. That's good. That's a really good service. Vicki, I'm glad that you're doing that. Thanks so much for dropping by today and telling us about it. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. All right. You know, um, as we talk, I know that you may be listening and, and saying to yourself, well, I'm, I am hurting. I've got stuff going on in my heart. I don't know 
quite where to turn, and I don't think anybody cares. But um, God does care. And in Lamentations 3.24, the Bible says this, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And the things that Vicki, you know, it, the thing that she's working on, the thing that uh, things that others are doing to to help this in this area, um, can't reach everybody all of the time. And so, you may be at home all by yourself, thinking, "Yeah, I I can't ever do that. I, I'm alone. No one cares about my story." But that's not true. God is there with you. He does care. He will give you the power to do what you think is right. And so, as you listen to Vicky talk, at the very least. Reach out to someone that you know, someone in your sphere of influence, someone that will be willing to check up on you and and make sure you're okay. But know that God does care about you, and he cares about your soul, and he created you, and he knows everything that's going on anyway, so you're not going to fool him. So the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. And that's encouraging for sure. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to Life Support, and I want to thank our our fine sponsors. Faith Radio has been great. They give us this platform at MyFaithRadio.com. If you want to see a video version of this podcast, you can do so at FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check us out at Ridgewood Church, too, at MyRWC.org. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. One of the resources available as a way for all of us to come alongside each other and strengthen congregations is called Caring for Mental Health, a 10-part small group series for your church. Log on to lifesupportresources.org for more information. That's lifesupportresources.org. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.